Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Slice of Healthcare. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we have Dr. Rami, big into social media, and he actually also has his own podcast called Beyond Medicine, which has had a lot of great guests. So we're going to put all those links for his social media accounts, for the podcast, in the show notes, so you can check out all of his uh, accounts and, and his podcast as well. Let's let's not wait any time. Let's get right into it. So without further ado, here's Dr. Rami. Hey, Jay. Hey, how you doing? How's it going? Great. Glad we finally got this to work. Uh, for everyone listening out there, we had a little technical difficulties, but we figured it out. Very excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for being on. Yeah, it's a pleasure for reaching out. So I think it'd be great for the audience if you could go into a little bit about your background and we'll start it off from there. Yeah, so uh, I went to medical school at Michigan State University College of Osteopathic Medicine. And now I'm doing my residency in family medicine here, uh, just east, east of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at a community hospital. And uh, I guess that's, a, that's where I'm at right now in my career. And just kind of, you know, I'm doing my surgery rotation and going one day at a time. How much of a grind is it going through this whole process every single day? Oh, man, it's, uh, you know, for the last the last five years have been a blur, to be honest, since I started medical school. Um, you know, from day one, starting medical school, it's a, it's mm-hmm. like every day you're getting up and you're, you know, you have something to do. I've been caught up for the last five years because there's always, there's always something, uh, you know, whether that's an exam to study for a board exam a rotation, uh, you know, requirements is just, for the last five years, it's really been nonstop, minus a few breaks here and there. But it's a grind. Uh, medicine is a grind, and then on, on top of that, I've also had some. I've also had some side projects that I've really uh, liked to, you know, work on. One of that, one of them being my podcast that I just started. It's called Beyond Medicine, um, and so that's a big part of my daily grind right now kind of scheduling people just like you're doing you know getting people on your podcast um it, it takes a team is I, I i've kind of got a couple people on my team right now helping me with it and uh you know it, it's a grind every day but i love it i wouldn't have it any other way how in your role just i, I know you have a huge time commitment doing what you're doing how do you find the time to to have a podcast as well you have to be really time management focus in order to make that happen right yeah that's an interesting question because a lot of people wonder how do you have the time to do certain things and at the same time I have friends doing going through the same thing as me but you know they'll spend two hours a day watching Netflix or you know two hours doing other things and for me it's really just uh, you know you you can't do everything in one day so it's me it's like every day doing a little bit towards my goal so for me to launch the podcast alone it took me a lot of time. It took me months to, I mean, it was very slow. It wasn't, it was a very slow process for me because, 
I just kind of, it was kind of something I just set a little bit of time aside for every day and I started building it. And so like when I was, for, when it started with the idea, it started as me just writing down a little bit of, you know, like what I wanted to do, why I wanted to do it, how I wanted to do it and kind of just getting that idea and letting it brew, brew in my head for a little bit and then started strategizing for a little bit and then started uh, doing little steps like creating the logo was the first thing I did because I wanted to get a idea of what I wanted to get an idea of what it was I was doing and having creating just that simple logo for me was like oh wow like it gave me a vision and then you know as soon as I had that it was like okay now can I create a website now what is the next step what goes into by starting a podcast I started recording on my phone because I didn't want to spend all the money on podcast equipment just just yet. And then once I started doing that, I started learning, researching, and then, you know, it was just, it's been a very slow process. It's just, you know, one thing every single day. And I mean, I, I don't fully believe in the things that, like if you're watching Netflix and you're asking, I don't, and you're saying I don't have enough time, you do have time. You just, you don't have your priority. You don't have priorities. Um, so for me, I just made it a priority and it, it's a commitment. So I, I find, I make the time for it. I think one of the biggest crutches in life is people saying that phrase, I don't have enough time. I, I hear it far too often. I hear it from people that aren't busy at all. Yeah. Like, you know, they, some people, which is fine, right? They'll work an eight-hour day and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm just so busy. I don't. There's never any time." Like, what are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. You know, when you start getting into the the ten, twelve, fourteen-hour days, okay, then you're busy. But when you're when you're at that eight hour, there are so there are so many hours in the day that you can still utilize. There's so many hours in the day, even working yeah. a twelve-hour day. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we talk ourselves into things. We can talk ourselves into being busy. Yeah. And uh, it happens far too often. Yeah. And you know what? Everybody has different levels of levels of ambition. Um, so for so I know for my ambitions, if I'm not doing the work and I'm not doing what is actually required, I can't be upset if I'm not reaching the goals that I want to reach. Right. So I'm making sure that my actions are leading up to my ambitions. So I know that if I want to have this podcast and have make it successful, there are other things that I'm going to have to give up. Uh, and a lot of that's my free time. So, you know, I come back from work sometimes at five, like right now during my residency, I'm coming back sometimes at six o'clock or seven o'clock. And then I'm making a quick bite to eat. And then the next two hours I'm doing work for the podcast and then I'm to bed and then I'm doing that routine again in the morning. So, you know, I'm already working 60 hours a week, if not more later, if not, I will be working more than that coming up um so yeah i do i try to make sure that i give myself you know i have a checklist and things that i need to do and it takes maybe an hour or two every single day for me um but back to your point i think it's more uh i think it's more a mental barrier for people uh not so much that they don't want that they just that you know because people do use people do say i don't have the time to do this or that um but I think what they really mean is that they don't have the time to do that without becoming exhausted or becoming or feeling overwhelmed. They feel like they need 24, like 
14 hours a day to accomplish something like that. And it's just, that's really just like, for me, I think that's more of a mental barrier. I think once you start breaking past that by doing things, you start to realize that, um, you know what, I don't really need all of that time. I just need a little bit of time here and there. And then once you start getting in that grind, you don't, you, you start to slowly break down that mental barrier. So for me, even starting out with this podcast, I felt like I did have that mental, that mental barrier where I thought like, I don't have enough time to do this. Um, but I was still doing stuff. I realized in my day that were just, and I still am, there are still spaces in my day that I could even fit more into. Um, but I, I try to give myself a little bit of self care as well. So I, I, I kind of set aside that, that those time spaces for that. But, um, yeah, I think it's a mental barrier, to be honest. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you're you're very similar. But for me, if I'm not constantly busy doing something, I actually become more. Uh, I actually actually I become inefficient. Yeah. Uh, I I, bec- I start doing things inefficient rather. Uh, I I start, you know, overthinking certain things. I need to keep going, going, going. Yeah. And I feel like it's there's a mix of like, probably like that. You probably love progress. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Absolutely. I'm the same way. So I love progress. Uh, progress is one of the things that keeps me happy and it makes me feel good. And I think most people are the same way. Uh, you, know, every, you know, moving forward, is like it just makes you feel good accomplishing that next thing it makes you feel good so I, I definitely agree progress so for me uh it's i agree i like to stay very busy and i like to be progressing but also the the opposite of that is when you're not progressing and you're actually taking a step back that's when you feel bad so when you're not doing as well as you were or things aren't going as well as they were um that kind of makes you feel a little bit it makes you feel down a little bit. So I have about five, about five things that I really try to uh, spread my life around where like, like, you know, whether it be my fitness goals, you know, am I progressing or am I regressing with my fitness goals? So if I'm progressing, I feel good about that. But then if I reach a slump in my fitness goals, what, what else in my life am I progressing in? Well, in my podcast, that's another section, like, am I progressing or am I regressing in that? So if I'm not, if I'm not, if my podcast's not going so great, maybe my fitness goals are going great. And then there's also my like financial uh, goals. Like, am I progressing or am I regressing in that? Um, and then like, it can, you can have a million categories. It could be your personal life. Are you progressing or are you regressing? Um, so I kind of look at things like that. I kind of try to see like, am I able to at least have things that I'm constantly progressing in? That's great. I wanted to ask you this. Uh, you mentioned it a little bit, but I love your podcast logo and name. How did that come about? The naming and, and the creation of the logo. What was the thought process going into that when it was created? Hmm. So I think this is something that's just deeply rooted in me. It, <laughs> it started probably right when I started medical school. Um, so I've always been a little bit cynical of the uh, not cyn- skeptical and cynical of the traditional medical system and medicine in general. Um, I think that, you know, we do a lot of things in medicine that are not 
that I don't particularly agree with. So a lot of that being, you know, the way we treat um, people through, you know, through Band-Aid treatments, through, uh, you know, medications uh, and through and through just, you know, like just trying to get past the next hurdle of whatever this patient, whatever we have to deal with for this patient. Uh, So uh, I've always been curious about what other ways can we heal people like how can we use diet and lifestyle and, um, you know, how can we motivate people to become, to actually want to take care of themselves? So I've always been interested in this, the aspects of medicine that are, you know, more holistic and more patient centered. And, um, and the other aspect for, for the name for me was, um, uh, like, how can we innovate? How can we make medicine better? What else is out there? Um, and you know, who are the real change makers and who are the people who, that are really affecting change in medicine and who have these, uh, great ideas that they can share with the world. Um, so that also was part of the reason, uh, that I went with the name beyond medicine, because I don't want to just share random medical facts or share like what diabetes is. I want to, I want to share information that's transforming that can uh, help people better their lives and that can get people to think differently about what's possible in medicine. And uh, also just, you know, my personality as well. I want to, you know, instill in my podcast my own holistic medical perspective and do that in a way that's fun and engaging and uh, gets the listener to really feel like they are engaged and not some boring medical podcast that they know nothing about. So a big part of my goal is just bridging that gap between, uh, you know, medicine and everyday people. Very interesting. That was a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> can you, you went into it a little bit in, uh, in your thinking, but can you explain a little bit? We have a mix, a mix of an audience the, what it's like being a DO in a world where MDs seem to be more common? Yeah, I get this question so much. Uh, so to be honest, once after you finish two years of medical school, um, there really, there's no difference. I have never, I mean, most of my training was with MDs. A lot of my training was with MDs and a lot of my training was with DOs. You know, once you get beyond that second year uh, in the clinical setting where you're in the hospital, the training is identical. So I think students, mostly medical students, kind of realize that like, oh, okay, I'm working alongside this MD and this DO and we're both pretty much on the same level and we're doing the same stuff. Uh, so where, so what's the difference? Uh, I think it started out early on when, DO, when uh, doctors of osteopathic medicine first started out, it was a bit more of a difference. And, uh, you know, there was more, like they focused the big, so the big separator is the osteopathic medicine and the osteopathic principles. So that's like the manipulative medicine that we can use our hands uh, and touch to diagnose and treat the body. And then also the osteopathic perspective and the holistic perspective, which is instilled in us from our first two years. And that is, uh, you know, treating the patient as a whole, you know, treating the mind, body, and spirit. Um, 
and that's good. That's instilled in us in the first two years. But then once you're in your clinical settings, it's it's almost lost because we're training with we're just training in a medical in a hospital system now, and we're doing what the what our mentors or attendings are doing. So a little bit of that is lost once you're in your clinical training. I'd say as far as um, I'd say as far as you know. MD versus DO and trying to get a residency, maybe in the top, top Ivy League schools, they still, there still are those uh, old school docs that kind of look down upon anybody who's not an Ivy League trained MD. Um, so I'm sure that exists and that exists in any field where there are more than one credential or what have you. Uh, so, but as far as like, you know, the residencies that I've encountered most are pretty fairly equal among MDs and DOs. Um, DOs even have sometimes an advantage. Well, they had an advantage. It'll change once the merger takes place and, uh, you know, having their own reserve DO residencies, uh, which will change. Um, I'm not exactly, I'm sure it's going to take years before it's fully equal between the two. Um but really, I have not, I've never encountered someone who was, you know, snobby about, you know, meeting a DO or, or, you know, nobody's ever questioned my, uh, my knowledge base because I'm a DO versus an MD. And really, I think it's just things, I think it's just some people who are applying to medical school still kind of have stuck in their head because they read all these blogs. But once you get into the practice of it and you're in medical school and in the hospital, you realize that it doesn't really matter. We're both getting the same training. Very interesting. I'd like to go in a little bit. I ask this to every guest that comes on the podcast. Given what you've seen so far, what are some ways that you feel we can innovate more in healthcare? Ooh, I love this one. Uh, so my, the, my the big thing that I'm on right now and the thing that I'm really trying to learn about is uh, direct primary care. So this is kind of like uh, for people that are not familiar with what direct primary care is, it's very similar to a concierge medicine uh, type model of medicine. And the reason I love this model of medicine so much is because it's giving the doctors uh, a lot of power back. And it's giving the clinician a lot of power back. And it's also empowering patients as well, because essentially what it's doing is eliminating the middleman, uh, which, is in, which is insurance companies and a lot of hospital systems as well. So kind of just foregoing that and creating a membership-based model where the consumer or the patient is directly paying the physician for services. Um, and with doing that, the physician is able to spend more time with the patient and dedicate more one-on-one uh, -on -one time because, because so with the way direct primary care is that, so the average practice, the average family practice, um, uh, the average doctor will see anywhere between two and 3,000 patients in their patient pool. For a successful direct primary care model, you only need about 500 even less sometimes, 500 to 1,000 max patients in your practice. So you can less than half your patient load 
essentially doubling the amount of time, if not tripling the amount of time you can spend with a single patient. And while still creating um, the same amount of revenue and even more revenue for yourself personally, and also save patient money, ironically, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, so, so how that works is, you know, you pay the monthly, you pay the monthly fee and it's because there is no insurance and this is kind of just like a, uh, you know, direct relationship. Uh, you don't need, you don't need to hire a biller. You don't need to hire well, multiple billers because that's also a very expensive piece of overhead and, uh, you can get a small, you know, or rent a small, uh, somewhere and see your patients there. Uh, so it, it lowers your overhead and it creates your own revenue, uh, your own revenue stream. And you don't have to deal with all of the insurance headaches and the time consuming things that you have to deal with, with insurance. Um, so I'm just super, super fascinated with this model of medicine. And I'll, I'll, tell, I'll mention quick how this also benefits patients. So let's say uh, you're paying so that, so I guess the average direct primary care membership is around maybe 80 to a hundred dollars a month. Um, but if you think of that in terms compared to it, I'm um, pay for insurance a month. I know people that pay $800 a month for insurance. Crazy, crazy amount of money for insurance every single month. Um, it's so, you know, compared to paying for insurance. So what you can do and what a lot of people have been doing is lowering doing use getting high deductible insurance lowering their insurance payments every month and then uh signing up for a direct primary care physician so you can essentially half your insurance payment some people even just do the catastrophe insurance where it just covers emergency catastrophe and uh, treatments and so the, cons the the consumer the patient at the end of the day ends up saving money while also becoming part of a practice where they can be the center of attention of the physician and where the physician can go in there and spend 30 to 45 minutes with them, getting all their medical problems, understanding their, their history and creating a, a good relationship for them. So this is the big thing I'm on. Uh, this is like the, when I'm, when I finish my family practice, this is something I really want to do and hopefully even get involved in some, in, in some of the innovation and business side of it because I really want to help solve some of these problems. That's very interesting. That's great thoughts. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I want to take this time to, uh, to really thank you for coming on. I know we've been coming back and forth uh, the last couple of days trying to get you on. So it really means a lot for us to finally make this work. Yeah. You know, sometimes my schedule is not always on my time, so got to move things around. <laughs> I hear you. Things change fast. Yep. I want to uh, have you to tell the audience uh, where they can follow you, where they can learn more about you. And I'll put all of that in the show notes as well. Oh yeah. Um, so my Instagram is at doctor. It's spelled out fully D O C T O R Rami R A M I dot D O. Um, that's kind of my personal blog. I share a lot of my story. I've shared like you can scroll back into my history and see where I've gone from medical school to the start of my residency you know, there's an interesting bit of information on there on how I, I, I first off didn't match into med into residency and then I ended up matching and I talk about that on there if anyone's interested. Um, I like to keep my 
uh, I like to be very transparent. So I, I share the ups and the downs. And uh, also you can visit my podcast at beyondmedicinepodpod.com. And you can also see uh, the podcast on iTunes and the, and the podcast app at Beyond. Just search Beyond Medicine. Um, and those are probably the two best ways to connect with me. Great. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll have to have you on again in the near future to uh, talk about some more stuff that you've been learning and that you've been seeing in the healthcare industry. Yeah. Hey, Jared, thank you so much. I really appreciate you reaching out, man. Um, I think you're doing a great thing with this podcast as well and uh you know uh, uh i'm just really happy to see the stuff that you're you know you and i were talking about some of the stuff you're doing and uh i'm proud of you man i like what you're doing so keep it up and uh thank you for having me on absolutely we will we'll stay in touch and definitely we'll need to have you come on again and i definitely see some collaboration uh, absolutely from both of us in the future always happy to brother all right thank you have a great evening you too, man. Bye. Bye. Thank you to everyone who tuned in for another episode of Slice of Healthcare. Please be sure to follow us on our social channels. On pretty much every social channel, it's at Slice of Healthcare. On Twitter, it's at Slice of HC. We don't use that much, but we will answer if anyone tweets at us or sends us a message there. Also, for those of you that are listening on iTunes, please be sure to head over to iTunes, leave us a rating slash review. We'd really appreciate the support and feedback. And if you're interested in being a, a guest on the podcast, please reach out at uh, slice of healthcare at gmail.com or send us a message on Instagram or any of our other channels and we'll get right back to you. Thanks and everyone have a great day. The podcast you just heard was published with anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.